Hello, everyone. This is Zorina Dimitrova, host of the Grow and Learn podcast, and I have the pleasure to welcome Miss Elena Armijo, an ex-opera singer from the metropolitan New York City turned an executive coach. Welcome, Elena. Thank you so much, Zorina, for having me. <laughs> Great having you. <laughs> You're such a shiny person. I um, read a few comments from your uh, coaching clients on your LinkedIn profile, and they're like, uh, one of the comments said, Elena is like, a, feels like a sunset, so shiny <laughs> and, <laughs> and warm. <laughs> yes, that, so you, that, you do bring this sweet. feeling. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, thank you. Thank you. I like to think that, uh, you know, I got that from my family with my mom and my background of just bringing warmth to every room and conversation when you can, because why not? Beautiful, beautiful. So you were an opera singer for 14 years and suddenly you turned yeah, a turned corporate coach. coach. Yeah, business coach. What, what happened? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's such a good story. Well, you know, my whole life, uh, I love music. I grew up in a very uh, multicultural area and my family very much encouraged having music be a part of my, my background, you know, in my life. Uh, it's something I showed interest in, but also something that they nurtured and they welcomed. So um, I can remember from the time I was little having music be a part, you know, one of those pictures where my mom used to show me singing with a hairbrush in front of the TV type, type moments. So I pursued music in undergrad and my master's and it, it sort of always followed me. I thought I would be a teacher. I got my undergrad in music education, and I, I always thought that I'd end up teaching little kids music. But as fate would have it, you know, I, I kept singing, and the more that I sang, people kept paying me to sing. <laughs> and so that's sort of how I ended up, you know, on opera stages all over the world. And I, um, I, I loved it. It was a great way to see the world in my 20s. I got to meet all kinds of interesting people and be in different rooms that I probably never would have otherwise. And um, I really enjoyed it. And I think there reached a point where I had been on the road for four years straight, 10 months out of, out of the year, you know, I was traveling. So I was only back in New York for two months at a time and I was getting really burnt out. You know, I was, I was in that very lower middle level of opera trying to reach the next level. And I could see if I kept going that I was going to reach where I wanted to be, you know, like at Verona or the Metropolitan Opera or, you know, all the, all the fancy places. Yeah. But, but it was hard and I was tired and, you know, I'd missed uh, another important birthday party back home. And I, um, I think I was on my third failed relationship at that time. And I just uh, remember thinking, wow, I don't know if I can, if I can live this life to get what I want. And the other piece that was really interesting to me is I, I love music and I had never intended on making it a business and making it a business really sucked some of the life out of it for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I had this compounded with guilt, you know, there's so many singers in the world that really want to be in the position that I was in. And I was, you know, not happy and wanted out. So I hired a coach myself. Uh, I came off the road and worked with a coach and through that work, I realized that I really loved coaching the profession, the, the methodology behind it the transformation that can occur with it and uh, ended up in a, a coaching program myself so that I could become credentialed and certified. And um, that was eight years ago. And I haven't looked back since. Wow. Amazing. You know, yeah. there, um, there have been some documented, documented relationships between people that are very good in music or professional musicians and yeah. uh, the executive suit 
Yes, <laughs> it's true. So there are books, I don't know if you've heard about them, about the um, executive conductor or things like that. And I remember uh, in business school, my strategy professor was a, uh, was a conductor himself before ah. he became a strategy professor and afterwards a director of the MBA program. So he said that they're apparently very um, clear links in your brain that mm -hmm. allow you to conduct and um, yep. you know a, a whole band and everybody who participates yeah. in the music piece and uh, being able to coordinate a company. Yes. Yes. Yeah? Have 100%. you noticed this year's? Yeah, I actually think it's why I'm effective in C-suite rooms. You know, now mm -hmm. as an executive and leadership coach, that's that's all I do is I coach C-suites. Yeah. And um, I think the correlation is, is a lot of things. Number one, when you're on stage with that many people, you are on a team. Mm -hmm. So it is a team component, right? And, and when you're running a business and you're growing a business, everything is about partnership and teams. Yeah. And how do you work together? And how do, you, how do you support each other? How do you get the best out of each other? So it's, you learn very early on that uh, the skills you need to develop teamwork um, are integral to creating a great show, mm -hmm. right? So that directly correlates into the C-suite room. Yeah. I think the other piece that, that I, that I take away that's a big deal is excellence. You know, there's a, there's a fine line between excellence and perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And so I, I talk about that all the time in C-suite rooms is where, where is that line and where can you actually demand and create excellence at a very high level, right? Cause that's mm -hmm. what we're doing on an opera stage. How many times did you have to sing that line before you could actually sing it, you know, yeah. in the show in person in that moment um, versus when does it become detrimental and, and toe into the world of perfectionism, which, you know, right. we all know is, is not healthy and, and breeds a whole bunch, a different set of, things that you, you might not be intending to create. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're yeah. the founder of the C-Suite Collective and you just mentioned it. Uh, what is yeah. the C-Suite Collective? What is, what is it? Yeah, it's, it is something we're launching. It's coming live November 1st. So I'm very excited. Uh, we've, this is my brainchild that I've been working on for about three years now. And basically it exists because I saw a need in the market for more people to have more support than they've ever had in their entire lives. So, you know, a lot of the people I coached were, were C-suites or founders or entrepreneurs or uh, startups, you know, where they had these beautiful ideas and they hired me as a coach, but they also needed multiple levels of support. Mm -hmm. So what we've created is an agency where you can come and you can find your coach. Yes. But also we have people on staff like um, a sound healer or a Reiki therapist or an mm -hmm. herbalist or a sleep consultant or, um, you know, mental health professionals. Mm -hmm. And in addition to all the training we do, like um, Dare to Lead work with Brene Brown or sales training, we incorporate that holistic approach together. So that when you really come to us, you're getting massive support in all areas. Whereas, you know, most people, I think they hire a coach and then maybe sometime in their life, they see a Reiki therapist, <laughs> you know, and then maybe three, three years down the road, they might hire a nutritionist. And so they do it in drips and stages of their life, which isn't a bad thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But here, you know, you come to us and imagine if you had one full year of all of this support available to you, what you could create in one year. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the, the mission and the vision. And 
changing cultures from the inside out uh, with, with companies that are really ready to deep dive and do this work. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. I've also had some um, clients being more and more interested in these metaphysical uh, alternative methods of um, psychological yeah. health. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. you know, we could take the, the conversation in, in multiple directions, but um, initially we were thinking of talking about women and the challenges women face. First of all, are most of your clients women out of curiosity? Um, I would say there's a, there's a good like 60-40 split. So it's typically women heavy and women centric, but there are the, the men that come through that want a different way of thinking mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, a more, uh, shall we say, feminine energy approach, mm-hmm. uh, which is usually who comes my way. Mm-hmm. I see, because my observation actually points to the fact that mostly women seek um, external advice, but maybe it depends on the type of coaching they're, they're looking for. And, and, exactly. and especially if you're looking for, uh, if you're working for the C-suite, they're mostly men there. So let's talk about women. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I've, I've talked to quite a few people that have written books on um, challenges that women have in their workplace um, books similar to the one that Cheryl Zandberg came up with about 10 years ago. Um, and it kind of goes along the same lines of what women are facing in terms of challenges and what they should be doing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of more or less clear. And still there is, there, there's a missing link. There's something missing that people are simply not getting. Women are not able to overcome this hurdle. I can't uh, pinpoint it exactly. Is it self-confidence? I mean, mostly they say it boils down to self-confidence, but is there something else? I mean, we all know self-confidence, structures of the companies, culture. And now that we know all of that, and men also know it, why are women still not able to overcome this hurdle? Mm -hmm. You know, I know I it's, think, it's, a, it's a, uh, maybe yeah, I'm yeah. throwing you in deep waters suddenly, but I'm just, <laughs> no, I, I'm just thinking myself, what is it that women yeah. can't grasp and what is the overall hurdle in the world? You know, I, I think, yeah, it's a multi-layered question, right? Yes. We can look at it from many angles. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know that there's a one, a one answer, but here's, here's what I do know. When we look at this from like what's missing or what's a problem, yeah. we're always going to be in fix-it mode right? Which means like, what can I do better? What do I need to change? What needs to, what needs to um, go differently, which isn't necessarily a bad place to look. Yeah. But I find a more empowering place to look is what do I want? Mm -hmm. What do I desire? What are the things that that I, that I uh, would love to create? And when we start the conversation from that place, that context, I think that we have more things available to us as humans, not just women, but, but as humans, you know, mm-hmm. and as a woman, if I'm constantly thinking like, I'm not getting ahead because I, I'm not confident enough, or I don't use my voice and I can't ask for a raise, or I don't have enough family support, right? Like nobody understands like what I'm juggling with between work and family and <laughs> all the things then we're in a conversation about like, how can I fix all of this right. as opposed to 
how do I want this to look? Mm -hmm. You know, if I were to sit down and draw out my ideal day of what my beautiful balance on my terms look like, I imagine it would be a whole different conversation. And I think that that's, that's the sweet spot for women to start from instead of, I need more confidence or I need yeah. to be better at negotiations right? or I need to play the game, right? Because one is a defensive conversation and one is a generative conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the place to start with most, most people, um, you know, especially women. And mm-hmm. I think that we have a shot if we come from that place, because then we're actually creating something in partnership with men as opposed to defending something against Mm -hmm. men. Right. Right. Which is all of a sudden not in partnership anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I love this answer and this point of view. And it actually reminds me of a study that was done on the reason why um, fewer women go into um, technology and whatever the abbreviation was for this, um, this thing that they're pushing, the education of women in technology and a few other fields, technology, maths, and I forgot what it was. Hmm. Um, and it clearly wasn't the aptitude that women had, uh, like their ability. It wasn't the ability, but it was the aptitude. They, they simply didn't want that as much. I mean, they started wanting it when it was um, uh, advertised, when it was proposed too much. But deep inside, mm. women actually mm-hmm. didn't want to engage in that. And that is the mm. reason, possibly, why there are less women in technology, less women in um, uh, mathematical fields and, and so on. Um, so do your clients actually, when they're already in the C-suite, do they, when they reconcile their uh, professional path, do they actually feel that this is what they've wanted to achieve? So, I mean, you know, the ones I work with, like I'm thinking of the women that I work with in particular yeah. in tech, like just yeah. to use one example, right? I have a client right now who's who's in, who's in the C-suite in tech. And I think she really loves what she does. Yeah, You know, she really loves her profession. She loves the intricacies behind it. She has a very um, logical approach you know, she likes to build things and put mm-hmm. things together and have strategies. So I think that she enjoys it. I think where she excels is when she brings her humanity to her logic, right? Yeah. Instead of trying to fit in with like the one way we've seen technology minds go, mm-hmm. or at least been presented to in stereotypes, right? Um, I think that when she slows down and she actually brings some compassion and some support and some of these things like, hey, this is actually what I want and what I see from vision and creation. Then we get a little bit more of a robust experience of her in her C-suite versus I have to play it this way because this is how technology has gone, mm-hmm. right? So, so my job is to come in and actually awaken that part of her so that she feels like she can actually bring that in there and be, you know, the unicorn in the space or the, the um, courageous leader that is doing something different, which, you know, in, in this particular client's example um, has served her extremely well because it's been innovative and different and the company has benefited huge rewards from that. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it's a combination. Like I do think she loves it, but I also think she has had to bring her whole authentic self to it to feel like she's being fully seen and heard. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if we take the perspective of a company now, um, mm-hmm. 
what what could an employer do to retain high female talent or to meet their needs? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great question, especially right now, right? Because look, every employer is figuring out how to be in this new world, um, how to be in, you know, a hybrid situation or what's going to happen with the next variant that's going to come along. So I think that the name of the game right now is number one, compassion, have show up and have a compassionate conversation with people. So, you know, it can start with exactly where we started. Like, Hey, how do you want this to go? Zarina, you tell me what your perfect balance would look like right now, knowing that our whole world and the company has been shooken up right you know, <laughs> into a way that we now have to reinvent as we go forward. So you tell me what would make you happy. I think that's the very first conversation that employers need to have. And then the follow-up question to that is um, what, what is the support needed to implement that? And it will look different for every person. So I think right now employers are sort of falling into a trap where, you know, the old school style of this before COVID, shall we say, was, you know, we could do a couple of, of sprinkling of support that was sort of like one size fits all. Like, you know, everybody gets six weeks of, of vacation or we have, you know, this beautiful day off that everybody can go and create community together. Or we have services that allow you to have, you know, metro passes for free. You know, we help you with your commuting, mm-hmm. right? But they were the, like these generalized buckets of support for all of the company yeah. versus really creating an individualized support system for every person. Now, look, that, that sounds daunting, you know, and if I'm a, if I'm a founder of a company that has, you know, 300 employees, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to take so much time. Right. But the t- right. But the time invested in that will reap huge rewards in culture, happiness, not that it's all about happiness, but happiness equals ROI for some people mm-hmm. and re- retention. You know, I think um, you're, if you're a founder, you're always going to be in a conversation of what does retention look like and, and scouting talent but it has to feed directly into the culture you've already created. So those are the, like the key pieces that I would look at for any employer right now is, you know, compassion and empathy. What does that person's balance look like? And then what's the support that can really create that for them? Mm-hmm. And what would you advise female candidates then for the company that would, that they're looking for, that, they, that they're looking to join how can they ensure that the company they're applying mm-hmm. for would meet their needs? How would they know? Because especially now I can, I could imagine that people are kind of afraid for their jobs. There, you know, there, there've been a lot of job cuts or reduced uh, uh, time shifts to part-time working. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not tremendous, but it's, I mean, and there's also a fear of, um, of an economic downturn. So how would you, as an employee, as a future employee, balance between uh, my needs and mm-hmm. uh, my fear of not, not not being able to get any job in the future or in the near yeah. future. Yeah. Well, I think the way that I would answer that is uh, remember, fear of not being able to get any job in the future is a context and and sort of right. like a, a limiting belief, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, we have some real evidence of what's been happening in the world and, you know, things like uh, the economy crashing and job loss and, uh, you know, uh, people not having any work, you know, for most of COVID. Yes, that's actual evidence and lived experience. 
Outside of that, though, if we operate from that place, then we're going to start creating more of the same. So I always say, let's, let's take a step back from the fear for the moment. It doesn't mean that it's not there or we're not going to address it. But if we were coming from a place that this is actually the perfect time for you to find a new job, what would we be creating then? Right. So um, a lot of the women that I've, that I've worked with recently that are looking for new positions, maybe leaving their current position um, or have recently uh, lost their current position. Mm -hmm. It's actually, there is a ton of work out there, Mm -hmm. but weeding through again, what you want instead of I've got to take the first thing that comes across my desk because I'm not safe. I don't have enough money. I need insurance, you know, like whatever the the conversation is. Mm -hmm. I think we have to put that aside for a second. And again, start from what do I really want to create? Then once you get that list or that those ideas or that vision, the very next step is, okay, what are, what are some ways I can create to ask questions to see if this company is aligned with what I want? And that's a partnership conversation. You know, that can look at like anything from um, what are your values as a company? What happens, uh, you know, during the next, the next variant? What's the plans, the future plans for, for um, if we all have to be in lockdown again, right? Mm-hmm. Or tell me how you handled lockdown and what you've learned from COVID. Tell me uh, where you want to be in five years. Where is the company headed? I think some of these things people are afraid to ask in an interview setting because they're the ones being interviewed. And I, I, I firmly believe that an interview is a, is a partnership. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really asking the questions that you need to support you and what you're looking for is important on the other side. Mm -hmm. And I think the last thing I'll say about all of this is just remember this, there's a huge market right now out there for talent. People want women. They want to encourage great CC women to stay. So everything is actually in your favor right now, mm-hmm. more so than probably, you know, five years ago. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Where can people find you, Elena? You have a podcast called yeah. In a Matter of Speaking with Elena Armijo. I'll put the link below. Yes. Yes. You can find me on my podcast. We have lots of conversations like this around leadership in the world. And, you know, uh, a lot of women in season one that I interviewed that were all disruptors in the world mm-hmm. and how they were continuing to move forward and disrupt the world amidst COVID uh, this last year. And then uh, you can go to my website as well, which is elenaarmijo.com. And that's, you know, where you can find all my services and coaching for the moment. And then uh, again, November 1st, the c-suitecollective.com will be live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you spell it, the, the URL? What is the URL of the C-Suite Collective? Yeah, it's T-H-E-D-C, yeah. just the letter no C. Dash. And, no One dash. One word. Mm-hmm. Okay. One word, yeah, yeah. the c-suitecollective.com, yeah. So awesome. that's how you can find me, multiple ways. <laughs> <laughs> so do check out uh, Elena's podcast. I, I managed to quickly browse through all the topics, not all the topics, the recent topics and they were really interesting so i do encourage you to check it out thank you so much elena it was a very pleasant conversation do come back (laughs) to the podcast yes thank you (laughs) and thank you for what you're doing in the world it's amazing thank you for having me thank you too